I'm sitting it all Yeah. What it is is what it is. Hit tonight. Hit just a few seconds if you can wait because I can't. What it is. What it is. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 206 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on TheBoxingRant.com. I'm Kenny Keith, and I am joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, Vin? What's going on, brother? I know it's a Memorial Day weekend. The summer is upon us. Are we taking the summer off like the sport of boxing is? Well, I may be taking off the summer from boxing as boxing is from the audience, but I'm not going to take off from grilling the Ricky Sanders wings. They are ready, primed. The sauce has been mixed. <laughs> a little bit of red hot sauce, a little bit of red wine vinegar, and some garlic. Put them, Ricky. Where's Ricky Sanders? Put it on the grill. It's Memorial Day weekend, Vin. Hey, those are some. Uh, I haven't had Ricky Sanders wings in a while, my friend. Uh, can, you, can you put some aside for me? It's it's been a long time, Vin. I'll share the recipe with you. All right. How about that? That'll work. Um, all right. It's a holiday weekend here in the States uh, as um, our countrymen pay respect to those that have fallen before us and given us the opportunity to come on this podcast and talk some shit on episode 206. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play, and drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel today. All right, Vin. It's episode 206. Uh, before we get to, well, the news and notes portion of 206 is going to be the meat and potatoes, no doubt about it. Canelo Alvarez and Golden Boy up to no good again. Triple G making demands. Are they outrageous or not? But before we get to the Canelo Triple G, the Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder, and the Danny Garcia, Sean Porter talk, let's get to the only action from this past weekend, May 25th on ESPN Plus from Ota City, Japan. Jamie McDonald defended his WBA Bantamweight title against Gojira, <laughs> Niowa, Inouye. Then Jamie McDonald was supposed to be the just uh, the immovable object. You know what I mean? He was supposed to a uh, five foot ten, one hundred and eighteen pounder. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, the weigh-in photos <laughs> told the whole story. Give that man a sandwich. Jesus Christ. He looked like a walking fucking ghost, man. Uh, you know. Obviously, Jamie McDonald has no business fighting at that weight anymore, and he probably shouldn't have been two fights ago, to be honest with you. You figured he was a you know professional enough and big enough to cause a problem, at least for you know four, five, six rounds, maybe. Uh, no, no, the monster fucking handles business. And I'll tell you what, I didn't buy the ESPN app to watch it, and it was on my Twitter line, and I needed about 50, it took about fifty seconds of my time to uh, see the whole fight. So yeah. Uh, you know, ESPN app, not for me, once again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Vin is going to wait until he gets fucking Hagler Hearns. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Reincarnate yep. before yes. he buys the ESPN Plus app. Goddamn right. Um, look, Nio, in a way, I'm, I'm not really sure, like, what anybody was thinking that Jamie McDonald actually had a chance in this fight. It was intriguing in the sense that in a way is moving up. And, I, you know, and I think the results of the fight were a bit more intriguing because of what may lay ahead now for the for you know Godzilla himself, Niowa in a way, and that's the World Boxing Super Series putting on their tournament at 118 pounds. And if he defeats Jamie McDonald, guess what? The monster joins the party. Well, he beat him, and he beat him quick. 
And unfortunately, Vin, here's what I have to say about the World Boxing Super Series 118-pound tournament. If Jamie McDonald were in the field, the championship of this tournament would be Jamie McDonald versus Niowa Inouye. I would not be surprised to see Inouye knock everybody out, including in the championship fight within the first three rounds every single fight. If there were a fucking prop bet online for me to bet that Niowa Inouye would lift the WBSS title, right, the tournament title, by knockout and under 12 rounds total, <laughs> give the Ken man all in. Yeah, I, the, what would the odds be, you know, uh, 10,000 to 1 Gee, on that? I mean, dude. What's the point of the tournament at this point, honestly? If he's going to be in it, I mean, let's. isn't everything just a formality at this point? I, I, you know, I, I, I don't. It's not to say that, you know, don't give me the tournament, but if the guy's in it, I, I don't see one person in that lot that stands a fucking chance in hell against the monster. So, no, you know, I, it, it's gotten to a point, you know, where it's like, look, if these tournaments are going to work and, and we still, as much as the WBSS was, was great in the first two rounds, you know, leading up to both, uh, the super middleweight and cruiserweight divisions reaching their championship fight. Those both are still hanging out in limbo right now. Yeah, when are those fights scheduled? What what happened here? What, what what's going? You know, we're already talking about the next round. There's no TV contracts. There's no, it's it's still you know the WBSS has a good idea, uh, but in actuality, it's it really hasn't fucking panned out like it should have. I mean, everybody. Loved it, and we're praising it the first two rounds. I got nothing nice to say about it anymore. I'm sorry, man. I mean, they've they've kind of lost it here. Can we get back on track? You know, where's where are these championship fights at? Uh, you going to announce something? Anything? George Groves is. You see training videos now. Is he going to fight? Uh, are you are you bringing Chris Eubank Jr. back? Uh, what the fuck is going on with Gassiev Usyk? Gassiev get an injury of some sort or some, you know, there's all kinds of these little minor rumors floating around. Is it in the Middle East? Is it in Russia? Uh, You know, what the fuck is going on? Finish up your first round of shit before you get to the next round. Yeah. Um, Look, for a guy like Nio, in a way, he's starting to, I mean, he's already in the diehard consciousness of, of, of boxing. The diehard fans know who this guy is. Everybody's got their D's out. Everybody's got the twats flexing. (laughs) Everybody is giving themselves a rub over this guy right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and, and deservedly so. He is exciting. He's everything that you want in a fighter. This guy is devastating for anybody in and around 118 pounds now as he, as he you know, just moved up to this weight division to win a world title against Jamie McDonald. You know, look, my D's out too. The, the, there's no doubt about it. But the fact remains is, man, you want to talk about this guy in, in, in pound-for-pound lists? I know we ditched that fucking shtick, you know, five years ago, but the truth of the matter is this guy probably is one of the ten best fighters in the world. I won't take that away from him. I mean, I'd say maybe, you know, one through 20, that's fine. Uh, one through 10, okay. But the problem is you have to put this into perspective. Yes, did he win his third title in his third different weight class? Just like Vasily Lomachenko, just accomplished the same thing. Mm-hmm. Lomachenko in fewer professional fights, right? Lomachenko has went through everybody that he could on his way to achieving this. In a way, he's beaten nobody. You know, in a way, he's beaten a bunch of old 
I guess, like warrior types, you right. know, guys that were tough in the lower weight classes that were of age. He literally has beaten nobody. And I don't mean to insult anybody from the United Kingdom, but if you thought Jamie McDonald was going to be Joe Calzaghe, right, be a great boxer like that, one of the best of all time, or, you know, the ultimate tough guy that did more with a less bag of tricks like Carl Frotch. Sorry, guys. Jamie McDonald is he's like a Smith brother. You know, he may as well be a Smith brother. I mean, he's at that level. Of, he's just average. There's nothing there. You said it before. He shouldn't have even been at this weight class. I'm sorry. This is not an accomplishment. This is what somebody who is elite and is considered to be a top 10 or 20 fighter in the world, he is supposed to do this, especially a power puncher. But until he gets in the ring with somebody that can actually put a jab on him, Inway is going to do this to everybody then. It doesn't matter. Unless somebody can stop him in his tracks for a second, he's going to take these guys out. But who are these guys? It is a field, a, a almost a cesspool of mediocrity. Yeah. I, you know, no offense. His opponents are tough then. Tough, yes, but you know, highly skilled. Um, I wouldn't go that far. You know, <laughs> the guy's been, he's been tested. And, and honestly, let's put it in perspective a little bit. We all came into this fight, and not not just one or two, or you know, a few a few voices. Everybody was saying this was going to be the test, right? Jamie McDonald, the size advantage, he should be able, you know, the the, the professional boxing acumen of, of Jamie McDonald should be able to stretch this fight out a little bit. In a way, did not allow any of that to happen. He attacked a fighter that clearly, I think, the struggle to make weight had something to do with him and and his uh, punch resistance not being anywhere near what it should be. But just, you know, think about it like this. is Last night, Cal Yafai was able to... Who? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> was able to stop David Carmona, right? Okay. okay. On the ESPN Plus app that I didn't see. I heard about it. Didn't watch it. But David Carmona was able to go the distance with Niowa Inouye. So, you know, it's not... Yes, I would agree with you 100% when you watch the guy. It's hard to not say... This guy's one of the 10, 15. Some people fucking want to put him in the top five already. Oh, Jesus. I think, you know, I think everybody, and this is becoming a problem in boxing. Everybody is rushing everybody to the top and wanting, you know, we need the, ne who's the next star? Who's the next star? It, let's just fucking pump the brakes a little bit. The guy's going to get there. We clearly see the skill set is there. Uh, the demolishing fashion of, of which he takes care of business in the ring. There's not too many guys in any weight class that do it as devastatingly as he does it. But let's just let it happen a little bit. Let's let him beat a couple more guys. I understand he, he's done basically the same thing as Lomachenko and nearly the same amount of time and almost in as, as impressive fashion. But let's just, you know, let's just pump the brakes just a little bit. The dude still has some shit to prove here. He's not, I'm not ready to crown this guy as pound for pound number one in the world as some of these people that, like you said, have their fucking Ds out and their, their helicopter swinging that thing <laughs> around the room while this guy's fighting. I, I get it. I understand the hysteria, and I'm kind of with you. I'm not 100% out. I'm not holding that D. I'm not swinging it like you are. Uh, but the guy clearly has shown that he is and has the potential to be one of the best in the world. Yeah, I think like on a devastation factor, like what he's been able to do in a short time, you know, he's kind of getting that little bit of that mythological, uh, you know, fighter status that, you know, has, has you know, most recent memory. 
uh, you know, Gennady Golovkin, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that was viewed as this unstoppable monster. But the talk about comparing Inouye's accomplishment, albeit, you know, he he has attained championships in three weight classes, just like Lomachenko. Here's the big difference, and here's how you can really simplify it for you. If you're if you're battling back and forth because you love both these guys, but you love the devastation of Inouye, let's. Here's why you should pump the brakes. When Vasily Lomachenko fought Gary Russell, Gary Russell was the next at 126, the fastest hands in boxing. And he went in and he soundly controlled Gary Russell for the entire fight, okay? Nicholas Walters, the most devastating puncher at 126, right? Mm -hmm. You had Guillermo Rigondeau, the fucking mythological unicorn of boxing, right? Not only did he beat these guys, but he fucking took their souls, right? Not only did he beat these guys, these guys were considered great, and he redirected their course in history. He redirected where their careers would go afterwards. Right. Nobody that Niowa Inoue has beaten had any potential outside of getting a shot at a guy like Niowa Inoue. He did not redirect anybody's path. He put them right back into the place that they belonged, right? Yeah. That's the difference. Yeah, Lomachenko has basically single-handedly changed a bunch of guys' careers yes. to the point of they've disappeared. <laughs> they n- Not only did they not go the distance, but they have not been around or to be spoken of since those fights. Gary's period. making his comeback but, four years later. N- not Gary. <laughs> Gary was able to at least go the distance and show well in some spots. Right, right. But that you he definitely know, didn't quit. You're you're exactly right. That was what Lomachenko's fourth fight, mm-hmm. fifth fight, whatever it was. He was at that point in time. Was Gary Russell considered the best or the next best at 126? No. But we see now that he was and still is right now. And the fact that Lomachenko was able to handle that like he did, you know, we need to have in a way. In a way, needs a foe that can be the the final proving ground. And, you know, everybody wanted to jump to think that was Jamie McDonald or McDonald. And I, you know, I kind of thought it might be, but I was not willing to go that far with it. And he just proved, you know, whether whether you want to say it was McDonald not struggling to make the weight or in a way just being too much of a monster, it's still that matchup was not the matchup to cement Niowa in a way as one of the best in the world. You can take what you see and say that. And that's fine. And I'm willing to do that with you. I will say, hey, unquestionably, dude has top 10 pound for pound or whatever you want to call it, talent. But let me just give me that one fucking, that, that defining fight to, to finalize that. Well, that defining fight's not going to happen in the WBSS. So that brings me back to my original point, Ben, off of what you just said. Okay? He's just going to languish. Will he make more money by being in this tournament than he probably will over the rest of, I don't know, maybe 50% of his career, yeah, he's going to make great money. It's not going to introduce him to a, a, a United States audience, that's for sure. No, it's not. And so without that career-defining fight, without being in a market such as the United States, without a, a you know TV contract with the WBSS, he's literally going to languish making money. He's still young, so it's not the end of the road. It's not like he's 32 years old and he's going to be wrapped up in this tournament till he's 34. Right. That's not the case. There will be something after that. But get ready, folks. The monster that you love and adore is basically going to be put on layaway, getting rich, and you ain't going to see him in a real fight for at least two years. Enjoy yourself. Yeah, and, and look, you're going to have to wait because 
he's going to be forced to do what Lomachenko was forced to do and what a lot of fighters of, of that ilk that prove that they have this certain skill set that just puts them above and beyond most other fighters. He's going to have to go searching, which means he's going to have to go through up. 118 ain't the last stop for him, even though he's not even really a big 118. He will be at 122. He's going to be looking for opponents. He's going to have to in order for him to establish what he wants to establish, especially in this country, because, look, you're never going to be, you know, and I get it, boxing in Japan is huge right now, and we always talk about boxing as a global sport, you know, is America still the central hub of the biggest fights in the world and the best fighters in the world? Yes, and I still don't think it's even close. But, you know, as long as he's fighting at 9.30 in the morning, in Japan, and he's going to be televised on an app. He's never going to be a star here. It's not. It's not going to happen for him like that. So you know, how relevant is he going to be in the boxing conversation, operating in kind of a sub universe, and not in, you know, not in the 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 major market boxing market that is America. I agree. I think that in a way is the perfect fighter to join top rank and their whole ESPN thing. If he wants real exposure. That's the route that'll go. Otherwise, he's going to end up like Jorge Linares, where he doesn't even fucking make an appearance outside of Japan. Well, he made a few appearances, but he doesn't even become relevant until the end of his career. And the fact you know the same thing with Chocolatito. Yeah, I was just gonna say the fact that he's even you know getting the exposure that he's getting now, he can thank Chocolatito for that. Who we've caught the very tail end of what you know what would have been defined as a monster run that Chocolatito made you know five six years ago in the same running through the same divisions I think this guy may be being pushed along a little too quickly maybe because it's just one of them things where you know as good as he may be and as good as Chocolatito was in the smaller divisions it's just kind of it's a hard sell to sell somebody a guy that's five foot five and weighs 118 pounds yeah I mean, it's really early, man. You know, it's it's hard to envision that as like something larger than life. No, when you when you hear those numbers thrown. Well, out. I mean, think of the field. You know, uh, the great ones become great because of the you know the trials and tribulations that they've been able to overcome. There's right. been no trials and tribulations in the life of Niall in a way inside the ring. He might have some personal issues. <laughs> right. I have no fucking idea. Right. But in the ring, um, he's done what he's supposed to do. Right. Yep. So let's see this thing develop. Exactly. In other developing situations, Vin, uh, the tale of Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin through the saga takes another turn as now the two parties enter into negotiations to try to get this thing going for Mexican Independence Day in September. Golden Boy Eric Gomez, Oscar De La Hoya have announced that they are moving on from Gennady Golovkin because his demands have become outrageous, Ben. They are outrageous. That's rich. Yeah, right? <laughs> the first fight was a 70-30 split, all right? Uh-huh. This is what was agreed to to make the fight. Remember, this is the same guy in Canelo Alvarez at 25 years old who vacated the Mexican pride belt itself, right? Mm-hmm. The WBC belt and just gave it to Gennady Golovkin. Shame. Shame, right? <laughs> so it took a concession um, along the lines of a 70-30 split to make it happen. It happened. Most people thought that Gennady Golovkin won that fight. So the rematch that was scheduled for May 5th 
they had agreed to a 65-35 split on the purse. Mm -hmm. Fight was agreed to. Then Canelo Alvarez pops positive twice for clenbuterol. Then withdraws from the fight and is subsequently suspended for six months by Bob Bennett and the NSAC teabagging gingers. <laughs> so this post-PED scandal, we don't need to rehash and remind everybody, if you're tuning in for the first time to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast, go back and into the archives where it's all spelled out exactly what Canelo did and what the punishment was. But the post-PED, now they're back at the negotiating table, Van. They're trying to get this thing squared away for Mexican Independence Day, and Triple G says no. No, I'm sorry. 65-35 is off the table. I want a 50-50 split. Now has ensued in the last probably 48 hours the, you know, the rebirth, the resurrection of the Fanager. Everybody is out there talking about, no, Canelo deserves this. Triple G deserves that. He don't deserve that. He don't deserve this. They don't deserve each other. We moving on. <laughs> it's the most annoying fucking conversation in boxing. And like I've said before, and I'll say it again, I don't give a flying fuck if this fight ever happens. <laughs> this is why right here. Everybody now has, you know, they fucking, they've, they've stuck their fucking flag in the ground and, and just the blind fucking fanboying on both sides is so fucking obnoxious. People, do you understand? Do you get, uh, you've been, a, you know, most people that fanboy as, as much as they do for both of these guys, they're, they're semi-educated boxing fans. They, get, they have a basic idea of how the boxing business works, okay? You know how a negotiation works. Triple G, he's, he's, he wants a 50-50 split now. Okay, fine. Obviously, we all fucking know he's not going to get a 50-50 split. It's called a negotiation. When you negotiate and you go in for a fucking raise, you don't ask for what you want. You ask for a few dollars more. So you get what you want. And then want. they knock you down and you get what you want, right? So, no, I'm sure Tom Loeffler and Triple G, they're not stupid enough to think they're actually going to get a 50-50 split on this fight. It's not going to happen. Whether you tested positive for steroids or not, that doesn't that doesn't remove Canelo from being the A side of this fight. You know, the bottom line is you can take it to this is this is just a quick glance at why Canelo's still the A side, okay? Triple G fought Ivanis Martirosi, yes, in a late fight, a few weeks to build it up. StubHub Center didn't quite sell it out even. You know, when Canelo has a a, a a a type of fight on that level, he fights Liam Smith, he fights him in Cowboy Stadium. He sells 50,000 tickets. There's a, there's a difference. There just is, period. However deep you want to go into that or not, I don't really give a fuck. But that's, that's, you know, that's how you can kind of draw a line is, yes, Canelo is the A-side, period. There is no A1 and A2. There is no it's, – that's not how it goes in this fight. So the bottom line is this. They're trying to get – they don't want 65-35. And quite frankly, they're making concessions, in my opinion, giving Canelo 65%. They want the fight again. Obviously, they know they got to give in to this fucking diva's demands. That's why Canelo, uh, Triple G, or I'm sorry, Golden Boy coming out and making statements like, he's outrageous demands. You're, you got the most fucking, the biggest diva in the sport who makes the most outrageous demands for anybody, period, right now. And quite frankly, 
Yes, we call Canelo an A-side, but in today's day and age, he's an A-side. Compared to A-sides of the past, he's a fucking C-minus. So I don't really give a shit. I mean, the, the guy sells some pay-per-views a little bit more than everybody else. Big fucking whoopies. Without Triple G, he's selling three, 400000 You're nothing. That's To me, that you don't belong as a pay-per-view fighter if that's all you can sell. Okay? There's it, it, just so many fucking, like, this, this whole conversation, I'm, I'm sure you can hear it in my voice. It just, it's fucking annoying. Every fucking level of it, just, it's a negotiation. It's going to happen. It doesn't happen now. Fine, I don't give a fuck. Go fucking fight BJ Saunders. Go, go, go fucking fight uh, a Charlo. Go fight Derevianchenko. Don't fight fucking Murata in Japan and expect some. Because here's what I figure will happen on the Triple G side of things is, and if they want to prove a point as to where their value stands and maybe gain that extra 5%, because I really feel like they're just trying to get this to 60-40. They want 60-40, which is probably the most fair split. They're going to probably want to go to Japan. They're going to want to fight Murata. They're going to do fucking huge numbers over there, and they'll come back to the negotiating table with, this is what we did without you. You did not do that without us. Therefore, that proves we deserve a little bit more. you got to come off something. And that, if that's what it comes down to, that's fine. But the conversation, Ken, of all of it, and, and everybody just blindly taking the side of their guy is so fun. I mean, it's... It's almost as annoying as listen to, listening to Floyd Mayweather fanboys from six, seven years ago that would make every excuse in the book for every fucking hand-picked opponent that this guy took, and now he deserves it, he can do whatever he wants, this, that, and the fucking other. No, I mean, it, it's just everybody just – I just want it to go away, Ken. I really do. And honestly, I'm being dead serious, man. If this fight never happens again, I will not – it won't matter to me for one fucking second. I could care less, really. The middleweight division is now wide open. That's how I look at it. We got a lot of good fighters. Look, go any direction you want. We're going to get a good fight. It doesn't need to be involved just these two in this annoying fucking back and forth. I'm sorry. Let's let's move on. Canelo was going to make, you know, under the original terms of the rematch, you know, probably around $40 million in the fight, right? And Gennady Golovkin's going to make, you know, somewhere around $20 million in the fight. Both guys are going to be richer than they were the day before, right? Mm -hmm. For Canelo to, to, to really make that large sum of money, and people mistake that he only made a couple million dollars. I think it was 4 or $5 million against Floyd Mayweather. Just because you fight Floyd Mayweather doesn't mean no. Floyd gets the 32. Remember, his guarantee for, uh, with Showtime oh, yeah. was 32. That was pre-Pacquiao and pre-McGregor. Yeah. That's what he was getting per fight. Canelo getting 4 or $5 million, right? For Canelo to get to that next level, it, it required pay-per-view one. Canelo's pay-per-view numbers on his own were kind of below average, all right? He did subpar to what Miguel Cotto was doing in his prime. Yeah. So what he needed to do to be able to justify that $10 million that he was going to get per fight from HBO was to become a permanent fixture in the pay-per-view circles. So he relinquished 55% of the pie. He took 45% split against Miguel Cotto to finally get that big payday. Mm-hmm. For Canelo to get his biggest payday of, of his career to this date, twice as much as he made in the Miguel Cotto fight, was to fight Gennady Golovkin. You can say Gennady Golovkin on his own is worth X, Y, and Z, 
But what his value is to Canelo Alvarez is far more substantial than people are willing to concede. Gennady Golovkin's value to him is is career-high paydays. There's nobody in the middleweight division, regardless of how deep and how much talent there is, that will ever be able to give Canelo that. We've seen the diminished budget at HBO. If Canelo's going to have a $10 million minimum, it's only going to come on pay-per-view. He's not not going to get those four or $5 million purses to fight the Liam Smiths of the world on regular HBO. It's not going to happen, Vin. He needs Golovkin, right? Okay, so is this a bargaining tactic in response to the 50-50 that was requested by Triple G and team? Yeah, I think it was. I think that them coming back and saying, no, the fight's on, we're moving on, we're negotiating with Eddie Hearn to get the Danny Jacobs fight. Here's the reality of the situation. Canelo is going to make the same amount of money whether he fights Danny Jacobs, Jermall Charlo, Spike O'Sullivan, or David Lemieux. Mm -hmm. He's going to make the same because none of those fighters, regardless of how good they are, bring financial increases to Canelo Alvarez outside of Canelo Alvarez traveling to the United Kingdom and fighting in a stadium against Billy Joe Saunders. That ain't going to happen. So what Canelo is left with, and he'll drag this thing out as long as he can, he is left with making what he can, which is still a large amount of money, more than most will make in boxing, and he's going to end up fighting Spike O'Sullivan and perhaps David Lemieux at the Canelo weight in back-to-back fights. Let Triple G get a little bit older. And if I'm Triple G, here's what I do. Terry Evchenko, go to fucking Japan and make 15, 20 million against Murata. Who gives a shit? Then come back and fight Billy Joe Saunders. Go to the UK and fight him. Make another five or $10 million doing that. Guess what? Canelo has nothing. Canelo is not going to risk. People say, oh, Triple G is not going to risk. No, Triple G still fought after Canelo was suspended. Canelo is not going to risk the potential of two or three losses. Let's be realistic. Because if he fights Billy Joe Saunders, Jermall Charlo, and Danny Jacobs, there's a good chance that he might lose two out of the three. And the next thing you know, he's an overpaid Adrian Broner. There's no way he's going to fucking give the potential of 40 or $50 million, regardless of his percentage cut against Gennady Golovkin, to square off against guys that bring no monetary value to the ring. So here's how it's going to be. G fights Daryevchenko next. Canelo fights Spike O'Sullivan next. They may do do again. They have another round of negotiations. It may happen May 5th. Canelo wants this to happen as far away as possible. And for all those people out there that thought that, that, that Triple G was just trying to duck the entire situation, there's one fundamental root cause or one fundamental root reason why this thing was never going to happen on September 13th in Las Vegas for the rematch. Because Canelo Alvarez ain't coming off of a PED suspension and fighting Triple G in a rematch 12 months out of the ring. No, no, probably not. Uh, You wouldn't think that that would be the most smart move to make at all. And, you know, it it would kind of makes a lot of sense as you go back and think about the the entire situation is, you know, Spike O'Sullivan being named as a possible opponent for Triple G. And then all of a sudden at the the fucking 11th hour, he's pulled out and he makes fucking $40,000 to fight in a fucking co-main for Golden Boy. Uh, that leads me to believe that there was a deal already done. If you're smart enough to to read the fucking tea leaves, to read the fine fucking print here, that he was kind of probably guaranteed. Hey, look, we're not going to fight Triple G when we come back, but we will fight you, Spike, and we'll pay you a little bit more 
than what Tom Loeffler and Triple G were willing to pay you. How's that sound? And we'll give you this $40,000 right here to go fight now and knock this fucking guy out. I mean, it, it all leads to that and, and seems like that is where this is going. It's just, <clears throat> to, at this point in time, it's like, look, man, you know, he can do, Triple G can do whatever the fuck he wants. Canelo can do whatever the fuck he wants. Neither one is going to make near the money they make without each other. Both of them can sit there and say, you need me, you need me, I need you, whatever. You know, they both need each other as much as the other need, you know. It's, it's not, this is a mutual fucking thing here. If they want to make the money and they want to fight again, they will. If they don't, they don't. I don't fucking care, Ken. I really don't. <laughs> I really don't, man. I just don't. The conversation to me has gotten to a point where I just, I can't fucking take it anymore. I'm sitting here talking on the podcast about it, and I'm, I, my fucking head's spinning. I don't fucking care who makes what. I really don't. You fucking pussy's going to fight or not. Fucking get in the fucking ring and fight. Leave the negotiations out of it. The fact that this has become such public knowledge and these two guys have these rabid fucking fan bases, it is just, it's driven me fucking insane. It's made me not want to see the fight. And this is a fight that if you go back and listen to me after the first fight, I, will, I can be quoted as saying I had more fun watching that fight and the skill level that was involved in that fight, I've watched it five times. It could come on, it could pop on the guide, and I'd put it on, and I guarantee you, if I start watching Canelo, Triple G1, I will watch the entire fight because it is that, it's that captivating from start to finish, and it's that close, in my opinion, from start to finish. But it's gotten to a point where I just don't care anymore. I don't care. When the bell rings, let me know. When the bell rings, let me fucking know. I'll be there. What's your cut, Ben? What's your cut of the pie? That's the thing. I don't have a cut. <laughs> My bread is not buttered by either one of these motherfuckers, so I don't give a shit. <laughs> oh, you know what, man? I know who you do give a shit about, though. Oh, you know. Is <laughs> one time. KOs for life. Yeah, Keith himself. <laughs> What's up with your boy, man? It looks like uh, the, um, you know, what we were hearing from the inside of the sport about uh, Keith Thurman trying to get away from his, uh, you know, his automatic re-up clauses right. that are in his contracts with Al Heyman and company. Is it true or is it just Twitter rumor that your boy Keith might be joining the ranks of DAZN with <laughs> Eddie Hearn himself? I mean, I, you know, it, it would make you believe that that's where it's headed. And quite frankly, you know, I'm a Keith Thurman fan, but uh, that also puts him further away from Errol Spence, which I think that's probably where he wants to be in, in reality because there's a couple big fights he can make in matchroom, and one being against Amir Khan that would sell just as much as a fight against Errol Spence, and he might even be able to make more fucking money. So, and he'll get Frankie Gavin in the interim <laughs> bin. JoJo Dan and Kevin Bizier are on, are on hold right now. <laughs> they are in the zone. <laughs> Look, man, I... I if it's a move away from the PBC and a move away from Al Heyman, you know, whether you want to call it running from Errol Spence or not, which more than likely is probably a safe bet to say that, yes, he's probably trying to get further away from it. Don't tell me he's trying to get away from Sean Porter and Danny Garcia because I ain't having that garbage. <laughs> he already beat both of them, all right? And it was, in my opinion, he beat both of them handily, so fuck that shit. But, uh, you know, if you're moving away from Heyman and you're going to match room as much as I give as I rib Eddie Hearn and give him shit because there's not a man in the sport of boxing who talks out of both sides of his mouth more than Eddie fucking Hearn, and I get it, all promoters do it, but Eddie likes to put himself in front of the camera and do it all the time. 
You know, he just fucking recently did it with the with the Wilder situation here. You know, you remember the video he made? I don't know, four or five months ago when he's trying to make the Dillian White fight and he's sitting behind his desk with Coogan Cassius and he's Deontay, baby. We're trying to give you the millies. I'm offering you five milli, baby. Take the millies, Deontay. You remember that video, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> Just take the millies. We're offering it to you, baby. Shirley Finkel. Yeah. <laughs> so they get their $50 million offer. Deontay's basically saying to Eddie, yo, Eddie, take the millies, baby. We're offering it to you. <laughs> no, nah, we don't want the millies this time, baby. We want them in the U.K. on our terms. You know, it's it's a it's a fucking combo. You know, somebody hit me up on Twitter yesterday, and they're like, said uh, your at uh, Vince Cummings eighty one is in hell right now because Keith Thurman is joining up joining forces with Eddie Hearn. You know, I, it's a smart move for him to get the fuck out of the PBC. Whether it, you know, does anybody? I put it like this: Does anybody really think he's going to beat Errol Spence? I'm his biggest fan. I don't think he stands a chance. So, so do they ever really need to fight, or you just need it cemented that Errol Spence can beat them? I agree with you. I, I, I just think that Keith Thurman is seeing sort of the fruits of, well, minimal labor Yeah, that guys like Kel Brook and Amir Khan are getting, you know, yeah. and Danny Jacobs. I, I, mean, I mean, let's be honest. He, dude, sign with Eddie. Like we said, fight Kevin Bizier and JoJo Dan and Frankie Gavin. Have a fight with Amir Khan. Have a fight with Kel Brook. Once you're 35 years old and you can move up to 154 pounds, I'm sure he's not interested enough in being no what Errol Spence wants to be. No, to no. put himself in the way of that, is he? No, and he, he <laughs> saw the. I'm sure he saw that offer that went out to Broner, and he went, "Well, shit, man, I'm a unified champ. I'm undefeated. I got to be worth at least eight mil <laughs> on a three fight deal. I'll take that." Hashtag slave wages. <laughs> right. <laughs> Broner's uh, dumbass. Look, man. Um, in the wake of Keith Thurman trying to get out of his contract with Al Heyman, okay, that's what seems to be happening right now. Mm -hmm. He vacates his belt, but he's smart about it, right? And it almost sounds like a fighter who knows that he's signing with another promoter but doesn't want to lose his spot in line. Mm -hmm. So he makes a deal with the WBC. Yeah, okay, I'll vacate, but when I come back, I have the right to fight for the title no matter where you have me ranked. Right. That was smart. So in the meantime, he vacates the WBC 147, and Danny Garcia and Sean Porter have announced a fight for tentatively August 25th on Showtime at the Barclays Center for the vacant WBC welterweight title. They avoided the purse bid. But then this fight, to me, as we close episode 206, it's pretty simple. This is Leo Santa Cruz versus Abner Mares. That's what this fight is. Yeah, with football helmets, or they should have football. And a guy with six toes. <laughs> right. This is going to be uh, – thinking about this, the style of, of fighters here with Porter and Garcia, it's so hard to envision a, a, a pleasing fight to the eye. I just feel like this is going to be the most brutal fucking three yards in a cloud of dust fight you've ever seen in your life. I mean, this is a this is a scrum in rugby. These guys are going to be fucking, you know, just grinding foreheads together all night. I, it's, Clutching and holding. Oh, God. Smothering of the punches. <sighs> and the announcers will be like, at any minute, Danny Garcia will hit him with that vaunted left hook. Yeah. Any minute now. Yeah, with that 60% KO rate, huh? <laughs> any minute now. Fucking unbelievable power punch. Hey, look, uh, let's. Danny Garcia can win his second 
vacant WBC title. <laughs> Good for that guy. He fucking still hasn't beaten a champ. Oh, and honestly, if you want to, if you want to really cut it down to brass tacks, I mean, neither is Keith Thurman either. So, yeah, he was handed the WBA championship after Floyd retired, holding the regular belt. Floyd retires. He's fucking bumped up to full full time champ, whatever they fucking call the regular champ. Yeah, retarded champ. Yeah, <laughs> that's me, Ken. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, he he beats Danny Garcia, who was who won the WC uh, WBC belt in a in a vacant title fight. So you know. There's really the welterweight division has been a complete fucking joke since after Mayweather Pacquiao. Oh, it's been a mirage. It's been a great creation of and people still want to call it the the, the glamour division in boxing. It's just not. It's not. It's the most overrated division in boxing. I tell you what, it's probably been the the most well funded uh, in the way of like shoulder programming and like documentaries and vignettes. Yeah, to make it seem it was something more than it's not. I mean, Mark Kriegel has bought more multicolored turtlenecks than anybody in the history of, of of sports just off of, you know, that monthly paycheck he gets for rehabilitating or over, you know, promoting and and in creating situations that are not real. And, and the welterweight division has been just that. Since the emergence of Errol Spence, and you touched on it before, um, there's been no interest in fighting him. Um, and Errol Spence will probably find it as difficult as Gennady Golovkin has to find somebody to step into the ring, and he'll have to hopefully not languish. Hopefully there'll be mandatories along the way, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that will be able to get him the fights that we want to see. But I can tell you right now, Danny Garcia, Sean Porter, n- none of these guys are getting in the ring with him. And Danny Garcia versus Sean Porter, man, is going to be tough. I agree with you. It's going to be a tough watch. Danny Garcia is so lead-footed, Sean Porter smothers the shit out of his punches. There's going to be penalties. You know what this is going to look like, honestly? This is going to look like Brandon Rios versus Diego Chavez. You remember that fight? <laughs> yes. From the Cosmopolitan in Vegas. You remember that fight? Yes, That I was do. the ugliest, nasty. Okay, you're all disqualified, everybody, right. even, Just the, even the crowd. Get out of here. <laughs> Leave. You don't belong in the ring. Oh, man. Can't wait for August 25th. Yep. I'll be at the beach. I'm holding my breath, Ken. All right, Ben. Well, don't hold your breath this summer for any good boxing. No. We got about a fight and a half that are decent over the next three months. <laughs> when Josh Taylor and Victor Postal is maybe the best fight on the docket, we got problems. Yeah, we do. <laughs> well, at least we'll have training camp footage from the NFL to get ready for. Right. Can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> Looking forward to it. All right. So um, if you're a boxing fan and you love the sport, Go on vacation this summer because there's no boxing (laughs) at all. We appreciate all of you tuning in to episode 206 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at VinceCummings81 and at Kenny Keith Jr. And be sure to subscribe to the show today on iTunes, Spreaker, and Google Play. And drop by the Boxing Rant YouTube channel and subscribe. Then... When's the next time we're going to have a fight preview? Episode 208? Uh, yeah, 08, 09, something. 2018, 2019. Who knows? Who cares? Probably the same time as Joshua versus Wilder. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the tale of the tape on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.